Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music on the air and in your ear. Once again, I am often with the king of the casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. Brett, I, uh, I, I like this guy's music. Let's talk to him. That's a good idea. You know, I mean, since we have a podcast and since we like music, well, then talking about music, talking to musicians on the podcast is a good idea. But yes, we have an excellent one today. Um, he's a wonderful guitarist been on the show before but uh, he has a great band called in theory he is mike monster mike how are you i'm doing fantastic thanks for having me on the show again well it's great to have you back on the show um you know you have a new single stain on my soul and that's uh, that's the main reason that we're here to talk to talk to you but uh dan that's a good song i appreciate it i appreciate it yeah it's been that song's really blown up for us and um and we're proud to say you know we, we hit number three in the united states with that which was, uh, you know, pretty exciting, you know, and then, you know, getting people like Alice Cooper and some other big folks behind it. Um, it's just so much momentum behind that single and the band right now. So then when it comes well, it down... It is my favorite song. It, mm-hmm. it is my favorite song I've heard from In Theory yet. So, okay. yeah, I, it's, uh, it's the hardest thing in the world to do, break a new band, you know, and... So when you, a song like this gets some momentum, how do you follow it up? Well, what we've done is, you know, from a business side, we, you know, we, we just put a really strong team behind us. So from our management team and our PR team and everybody that's associated with it, our booking team. So, um, you know, we're working every, whatever you want to call it, channel or every avenue possible to to promote the band. And then um, we're about to hit the road as well. So we actually have a tour, I think starting September uh, 22nd, we started off in Georgia and uh, that should keep us busy until I think the week before Christmas. Wow. So is this like the first time you've gone out on tour for an extended period of time? Yeah, this for in theory, it'll be the uh, our first tour. So then who is the rest of the band? Of course, there's Tony. Is you know, Tony and I are, are the the main members of the band. And then um our support crew is um we have Brian Keeling on drums and he's the drummer from Pink. And um our background vocalist is Alicia Nadmer, and she's actually on all, almost on every track that we're on. Um and Brian's actually the drummer on stain and recording as well. So we're trying to keep a consistency. Um, and Lanisha's from Stevie Wonder's band. And then I found probably like the only rock bass player in Muscle Shoals. And we brought him into the fold. And his name is uh, Rez Webster. And, uh, you know, he's great. He's sort of like a, you know, like a Billy Sheehan meets like a, <clears throat> like a Doug Pinnock. And um, so it's, it's a great lineup because, you know, uh, Rez is a, is a lead singer and also Lanisha is a lead singer and then you got the amazing vocals of Tony so you put those three together with you know with this rhythm section is it's, it's pretty hefty so then when it comes down to I mean you talked earlier about uh, you know Martin mentioned breaking the song so when you guys are thinking about songs to release like how do you choose which ones you think will will do the best job well, Stain, you know, it was interesting. We were, we were going to do a video and someone suggested another video. And then maybe two weeks before the shooting, I'm like, no, I think Stain would be the one that's going to break us. It was just 
woke up in the middle of the night. I'm like, Stain's going to do it. And made the director change everything we were going to do. And I just had a gut feeling that was that was going to be the one. There was something about that, the energy of it. I felt the, it's rock, but it's also catchy. It's old school, but, you know, like, but it's also modern. Like, I felt like it had every ingredient that um, that you would want to hear from a, from a new band. I like that you guys aren't trying to you guys aren't trying to BS anybody and say you're reinventing the wheel. You're saying we're making really good rock and roll blues tinged music, you know, and 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 that's what it is. Like that's and and that will always resonate, I believe, with people. Yeah, because we feel like at the core, yeah. I mean, we're we're just want to be a great hard rock band, you know. That I would be a fan of. If I was a teenage kid, you know, or not even a teenage kid, this is an older dude, this loving rock music, um, you know, and that that's a big thing for me. Like that's when I'm when I'm also writing, for instance, I'll play it for people that I know that are in theory fans. Um, when I'm in the middle of the process, just to get a reaction, and um, and a lot of times they don't even know I'm looking for that reaction. But if I get like, oh yeah, that's killer. Like I know. I'm doing something right. If it's just like a lukewarm, like, you know, you know, like the polite, like, oh, that's, that's cool. I know I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> to, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, then I know I'm doing something right. And then I'll keep developing that idea. And then as a producer, then I'll, I'll do my thing where, you know, I'm layering another thing, you know, so many other things. So um, I always feel like I said, at the core, it's a killer hard rock band. That hopefully gets everybody's attention. But if you listen to it over and over, then you start peeling the you know the layers of skin, or and then you'll see you know what's the depth inside in theory from a production standpoint, lyrically and and so forth. You know that it, it can go pretty deep as far as um, how we do production and and uh, lyrically. You know, but it still has to be a good hard rock band that's you know catchy and like you know as, I, as Tony would always say, punches you in the face. Um, if it doesn't do that from an emotional standpoint, they will never get to the other parts that I want them to hear as well. So how does the songwriting process work with you guys? Excuse me? How does the songwriting process work with you guys? How it works is um, it's, very, it's very primitive. So I write all my songs on the iPhone. So I put it on the, it's, it, right? You think with today's technology, um, what I do is, you know, I just come up with riffs and probably I have several hundred riffs at least on my phone. Um, and then if there's something that, I, that I'm thinking like, yeah, that's a cool riff or cool bunch of riffs or cool parts, um, then I'll jump into the studio. And unfortunately, like I said, in muscle, I'm in Muscle Shoals surrounded with all these studios and my main studio is only a mile away. So if I feel I have X amount of ideas, you know, and, and I try to write in collections. So I try to write like at three at a time or four at a time. If I think I have enough of those ideas, then I just run down the block. We do with a drum loop. Um, and then we start developing from there. Um, many times I'll send it off to Tony at that point. And then Tony and I will collaborate on the melody or, you know, certain other aspects of the song. Um, sometimes I don't even wait for Tony. If I just know it, it's killer. I'm putting the whole rhythm section together, you know, um, and, you know, so it goes, it goes both ways. 
what was stain then like was that one of those ones that you kind of uh worked with tony early or did you kind of put it together yourself stain was an interesting one because the initial riff um wasn't grabbing anybody you know it's and it's only just a slight variation on, on a rhythm and what i did from a, a technical standpoint um from a production standpoint but when i first sent it to tony his reaction was like i don't know man it's not jumping and i sent it to like i said a couple of um people that i trust that are you know in theory fans but not musicians and they were terrified to tell me it's it's okay so that night I just would shift like seven, eight hours. I go, what am I missing in this song? Because the initial riff I, is, is a good idea. And then I fine-tuned it. Next day I went in the studio. I already knew it mapped out what I was going to do. And, and when I sent it off to, uh, you know, Tony and played it for a couple of people, they're like, wow, okay. They, they, just, they just jumped on it. And then really from that point, I mean, uh, Tony, you know, it was maybe a few days it, it took him. And then, um, but the chorus took him a little bit longer to do. But as far as the verse, um, you know, Tony's very um, reactive, emotional type of person. So, so we heard that he jumped on that, you know, and that set up, you know, what we need to do for the chorus, which took a little bit more time. How good is your memory then for all those riffs that you've got sitting around on your iPhone? <laughs> Um, my memory's actually pretty good. Um, in fact, I was just doing it last night. Um, it's, it's usually pretty good, you know, and, and I have a, again, in my process, if I think a riff, like the riff has to be good enough to make it to my phone. So even if I never use it for a song, I know it's still good. And then maybe back in time, I'll go back and I'll listen like, yeah, I like that riff, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do it in half time. Or, you know what, I need to play a little bit more behind the beat. You know, if I add the second part to that riff. Um, so I, I I always go through it again, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't that, that bad. <laughs> you know, or I hear it like, oh, now this would be a, a verse instead of a chorus, and this would be a chorus instead of a verse. And, um, yeah, but it's, that's, but yeah, to answer your question, I have a really good memory when it comes to my riffs. Like, if I write it, I just never forget it. Yeah, I'm always fascinated when people say they have this giant collection of stuff on their phones because it's just like, wow, you must have to go back to, to listen to those things so much to keep yourself, oh, is that good? I don't know. Right, right. Well, sometimes, you know, I'll do that if I'm um, doing other parts, you know, I mean, like I, this Saturday I go back in, I'm cutting new stuff um, where I already have like, Three, three or four are like, okay, it's going to be good songs. And sometimes when the you know, engineer is doing his thing, then I'll go back into my phone. I'm like, and I already know like what certain riffs are falling in certain groups. I'm like, hmm, that riff will go with this riff I just wrote today. And then I'll, I'll record that and then try to match it, you know, or see if it makes sense, you know, so... So then how many new songs are you guys working on uh, like at the moment? Do you kind of keep working on things? If it was, I could say if it was up for me, up to me. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we were keeping a very hefty recording schedule until we started getting involved with these tours and, and shows and, um, you know, and trying to balance all that out is, is tricky. 
you know, um, but we already have, I think it's another seven, eight that are already done, mastered. Uh, we could put out another album, you know, tomorrow if we wanted to. Um, but there's also a side of me um, that if I don't get to be creative, like it feels like like I'm a junkie, a creative junkie. I really need, I really need to be creative, and um, so that's why I'm going in this Saturday. And like I said, I wrote a bunch of riffs, and you know, I'm just going to cut cut you know, maybe three new songs. So we'll probably have ten songs or eleven songs by. Um, you know, it's probably by next week or the week after. Because um, like I said, the other seven or eight are already done with drums, Tony, mastered. They're, they're just ready to go. Um, you know, I, I'm just having an itch to go back in and keep writing, you know, um, especially because I know once we start touring, it's going to be more challenging to do both. And I think the touring and live is one um, mindset. and going into the studio and creating is a completely different other mindset for me, at least for me, you know, other people can do it differently, but for me, it's, it's a different, I have to think completely different. So then what does your set list look like for the live shows? You know, it's so funny. Um, we, we have a short set, we have a long set. <laughs> and, um, the, the funny thing is, on both sets, even our short set, which is maybe like a 40 minute set, um, it actually has all the new songs that are not even released yet. We just like the, you know, maybe because they're fresher. I'm not sure what it is, but um, I think that would be the biggest surprise. You know, like maybe we have three that were on the In Theory record, um, but like Stain is, is on it. And then the other songs we wrote in the batch of Stain are all in our short set as well you know so um yeah so that's that's what that set looks like and um and i know you, you guys will probably hear a new single soon tony and i still have to decide that in the next week or so um but it'll be out of that same batch uh we're just trying to decide which which one is going to represent the band the best because they're so dramatically different they all make a cool statement but it's a different statement and um, we have to really put some thought, you know, what will be the, the follow-ups to, to Stain. Is, is there a lot of practicing and rehearsing going on for the tour that you plan to do? Because you want to be tight when you get out there, right? Everybody's busy doing other stuff. You got to, you know, you want to be tight when you get out there. Yeah, you know, and that's another challenge, too. I mean, what we do, I mean, the band's so separated, right? So uh, the drummer's in Nashville, Tony's in New York, you know, Lanisha's in California. And then the two of us are, you know, Rez is in Muscle Shoals and so am I. And we were doing our rehearsals in Nashville. Um, but my main engineer has the only rehearsal studio that's in Muscle Shoals called the Church of Sound. And we were able to really turn that into a second home of our rehearsals. Um, where we get to, we instead of, um, you know, working on it like an hourly basis, we, we block it out for, you know, several days at a time. So, you know, we'll go and rehearse the set three or four times and go out for lunch, go out for dinner, and then come back and, you know, do the set again. But there's no pressure. You know, if we need to, like, okay, we're going to work on vocals for the next X amount of time, we can do that. We want to work on the rhythm section, you know, for the first half of the day or second half of the day. 
we can do that. So that, that's given us a lot of freedom. But yeah, there's a lot of hours, um, a lot of hours being into it. I think people will be surprised, um, or I'm, at least I'm surprised. Actually, the best description of people are, of hearing us live or seeing us in rehearsals, the band's more powerful, you know, where on the record, you get into layers where there's the swampiness, there's this, so there's all these different layers. Um, but yeah, but live, it just comes off powerful and it's not intentional. It just, that's what it is. So we're, we're rolling with that because that's naturally how it's coming out. Church of Sound, by the way, that's a great name for a place. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, that's, well, I, I mean, I imagine that when you're doing the rehearsals, and even more so when you're doing it live, I mean, something that wasn't in the song in the studio is going to happen just because in that moment, the person, you know, just just does something you don't expect. And I think that's a really cool thing as an audience member. Right? How do you view that as a Former. Uh, say that the half, the last half. Yeah, for for me as an audience member, the, it's really cool when somebody's to, you know, you can see that they're just getting inspired performing. But is it uh, if there's something unexpected, somebody does something unexpected? Is that how was that for you as a as a performer? For me as audience, like I say, I love it, but I don't know that it's so good when you're performing live for for you guys. I mean, I. It's funny. It depends on who you ask in a band. <laughs> um, for me, I, I love it because I, I enjoy, like I said, creating and, and improvising and, and putting on a show. Um, so, like, if you happen to see, say, myself playing live, it's I play different each night, completely different, you know. And um, and I think that catches people, you know, surprises people as well, you know. So. Um, so while there's a structure, you know, I do encourage, I, I want people to, I want the players to bring out their emotion and do, you know, sometimes, you know, they're going to do stuff and sometimes, you know what, it'll be amazing. And sometimes not so much, but I will never stop them from doing it, you know, but there still has to be, okay, this is the verse, this is the chorus, this is the verse, but you can still interpret it because, you know, every, you wake up different every single day. It's like when you guys do your show. You know, some days you're feeling great. Some days you have a cold. Some days, you know, someone's yelling at you before the show or some days you're distressed and it makes you play different and it makes you feel different. It puts you in a mindset. Sometimes you just want to, um, you know, vent. Sometimes you just want to, you know, play from your, your stomach and sometimes you're just playing technically from your head, you know. And, and many times it's just the audience feeding a, a, an energy to you that you're not even expecting. So, um, yeah, every, every time is, is different. What's it like then working with these other people? I mean, because you and Tony have been working together for so long. So to add new people to the mix to go out live on tour, I mean, obviously they're super professional. So does that make things a lot easier? And Well, I think what makes it easier is that, um, say, like in a new batch of songs that, you know, like I said, the... The first batch of four, and then this last batch of four again. Um, it's the same drummer, you know, who's playing with us live is that same drummer. So, you know what I'm saying? So that makes it easy. We know it's going to work. Um, and Lanisha's been there from day one. She's been, I think she's almost on every single 
in theory record. And then in addition to that, um, Lanisha and I also, you know, we do like an R&B thing that I think we've just released one. We released one single. It's a little bit more like pop meets R&B. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we, we know each other quite well, you know, and the newest guy is is Rez. And um, he's just, just so excited to be a part of it. You know, um, um, as much as like Muscle Shoals is, is the music capital, there's not a whole lot of hard rock or, you know, that type of style. And um, so for him to be in a hard rock band in this area is, is you know, I'm sure it's exciting to him. And, um, and I think for him, it's the newest, um, the whole experience is new for him. Meaning, you know, look, Lanisha's been with Stevie Wonder for 15 years all over the world, you know, played hundreds of thousands of people. Her first gig was Madison Square Garden. You know, you know, Brian playing with Pink. <laughs> You know, and and so you know they've they've been playing stadiums that you know, um, but what I like with all three and you know, and we were looking, Tony and I were very deliberate on this, even though they're the pros and and all that, um, they also bring an equal amount of passion to the music that Tony and I want, you know, or um, I wouldn't say that we want. That's probably how you want to word it. Um, but they're they're just as excited or more excited than Tony Tony and I um, to be a part of it, you know. So it's it's kind of cool. They're like, Mike, we gotta do this. Mike, we gotta do that. Let's do this. And and I and I love that, you know, um, because you always want people to appreciate it. So um, there's always a lot of positive vibes at rehearsal and you know and and for the for the live thing. So um, so it's been quite easy, I have to say, you know, because it's not that much different from what you hear on the record to you know from the studio i mean from the studio to, to live and um we know the personalities well you know and and um so it's not that much of an adjustment you got to tell lanisha how great she is for me because i mean tony's got a great voice but every time she comes in it's so different they just complement each other i feel she just takes it every song that she's on she just brings it to another level i i, I may have a little crush on her so you just gotta let her know she's awesome well, you know, she's yeah, she's my, my little buddy. Um, yeah, she she happens to have that effect on on men. Um, you know, it's it's such a running joke with the band, but she has a she definitely has an effect. Um, but her talent is is, is ridiculous, you know. Um, but the funny thing with her and Tony, there's several things. Is um, there's many times where you can't tell if it's Tony or if it's her. And even they don't know. She's like, that me singing? I said, no, that's Tony. Or it would be vice versa. Tony goes, is that me? No, that was just Lanisha. But if you heard the tracks um, isolated, you can hear who's who. But you put them together, you don't know who's who. And many times. It's, it's pretty wild. And the fact that, you know, Lanisha's a little bit more of a natural R&B and Tony's a little bit more of a rock, they both influence, you know, they... They have such a they have a respect for each other, but they also influence each other. So, um, you know, where how she sings you know, certain patterns. The same thing with Tony, and um, where it's kind of cool for her. She's listening to rock for the first time. I mean, really, I'll mention these bands' names, and she has Mike. I have no idea. So I sent her, you know, the stuff. She's like, Mike, I've never heard it. Like, like it's seeing it through 
brand new eyes and excitement. And I can tell, you know, like, I'll tell you, you know what, it needs a little bit of this. She goes, oh, you want a little bit more of Tony that and, and vice versa. Or I'm like, sing a little bit like this. He goes, oh, you want a little bit more like Lanisha, a little bit behind the beat or um, do a little bit more of a riff here or breathe like this. Um, but naturally, they're feeding off each other. It's, it's quite interesting. Even though it's unspoken, they they naturally do that. And like I said, I mean, I'm the producer of the band, and I see that happening, you know, all the time. Really interesting to hear you talk about it. Both, I mean, because you're talking about it both in a kind of a, almost a scientific way, the way the music is being put together, and yet you're talking about it in a way that it's it's also is never losing it the emotional core as you're doing it. Every, it, it the complementing each other is is there. I mean, we've talked to so many musicians over the last you know twelve plus years we've been doing this. And some of them are like some of them will come in there and go mathematically. Here's how you put a song together, and that's all it is, you know. And and so yeah, just to hear you talk about the science behind it, but the emotion behind it at the same time is fascinating. I appreciate that. And I, I think you're you're really like one of the few, and, I, and I'm glad that you you picked up on that or articulated that. That's a really great way of describing it. There's you know scientific. There's a extreme you know um you know i you know to detail i'm so methodical in, in certain aspects you know where if i'm chasing a verse or a chord i'll spend five 16 hour days to get things to fine tune but i never want to lose the emotion and passion that was put into performance because that's what people always remember first So the you know one of the things that I'm interested in, especially when it comes to you you talking about producing, is like how do you know when a song is done? Um, never done. I know that. Yeah, <laughs> it's released, but it's never done. You know that's a, you know that's interesting as well because I I go through these different processes where I just drive everybody crazy, but um, especially people that are close to me, but. Um, so when I'm writing or recording, it's, it's always this, you know, you're going through a process, right? And um, and then what I do is there's this, I run it through, I call it like the, the mic test. I'll send it to my iPhone while I'm in the studio. I'm like, okay, it's a sound. Do I like what I'm hearing? And if I like that, then I'll go in my car. And I put the song in volume seven, then eight, then nine, then 10, then 11. And I keep going all the way up to number 38. And so it's, that's what the max I'll do in my car. But frequencies play different, you know, from volume seven versus volume 15 or volume 15 versus 20. Um, and also some momentum changes depending on the loudness and, and the momentum of frequencies. And if I can, you know, once I get to the final mix, um, and again, I've done this for, you know, the interior record and every single song. Sometimes I'll drive. I'm not exaggerating three or four hours. So I don't even know where I end up. Sometimes I've ended up in two states over and I'll go from seven all the way in increments up to 38, back down, up, down. Thousand, you know, literally, uh, maybe not thousands, not thousands of times, but the drive, however long it takes to drive five hours. 10 hour drive back and forth. Um, 
And then what I'll do is I'm, I'm making mental notes at that point. Like, okay, I like this. I don't like this. And then the next time I'm in the studio, I fine tune those things. I go through the same process again. I put it on my phone and then do the car test. And if it passes a car test, then I know it's ready to be mastered. Yeah, I can see that you put it's some. A, it's a creative, <laughs> it's a creative obsession, you know, it, it, like that. That is that is obsessive behavior, but in a in a creative fashion. And it's, I mean, it's awesome to hear because that that passion producing it comes through for the listener. You know, I mean, that's part of the secret. I think that's part of why so staying on my soul is giving you guys success because the you know it's not just the passion of the performance; it's the passion of the production is clear i like that either it's obsession or neurosis i don't know what it is yeah. <laughs> but your uh, but your car gets lots of miles on it so right exactly <laughs> and uh, you know and the dog i bring the dog with me you know so <laughs> and uh so i think if, if the dog if it passes the dog test you know that that helps as well <laughs> but, yeah i just I hope it's fuel fun. efficient i hope I hope you drive a fuel efficient video or a fuel efficient car. And, uh, you know, I drive an SUV that has, uh, but it has, um, see, but I already know what frequencies are working out of that car versus what I'm hearing in the studio. So I know how to translate what's from the studio to my car and from what's in my car back to the studio. Yeah. You ever get some people annoyed when you're at 38 who look at you like, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I recently did that. It's funny you mentioned I was in um, Georgia. I helped take care of my parents in Georgia. And um, we we did this one mix. It's the only mix that we did this. It was kind of, we did it remotely. My main engineer was at Sunset Recorders in LA. And what we did is talk about like, obsession erotic you know whatever we're trying to do whatever we can do to get it done so i have my two phones and one is um based on you know zoom or FaceTime, like how we are right now but on the other phone there's this new technology called audio movers and on audio movers you can hear exactly what's coming out of the board as if you're in the room so he's doing the mix 4,000 miles away, and I'm like, okay, no, it needs a little more bass, take this out, no, a little bit, take this echo out, do this, and we can do everything in real time, because I can, it's like I'm literally in a room, but the fact that I'm adding the extra camera of, I can see the reactions, you know, um, so while we were doing that, we finally, and he was in Cali time, so I think one of the first mixes was, was done at two in the morning, and I'm driving around a little suburb in Peachtree, Georgia, cranking it, I think I'm going to get arrested by the by the Atlanta police because it's so um, you know there's a lot of retirees in that area and um, but I didn't care I'm just driving around and driving around and um, but I was waiting for the police to pull me over but then I'm like yep it's good <laughs> just just uh, just bring bring one of the policemen into the car it's like here you got to listen to this part. <laughs> Yeah, it's a whole separate story. You know, one time I was driving up to Nashville, not on a in theory song, and I was driving pretty quick, and I got pulled over. The guy's like, "You know how fast you're going, right?" I go, "Yeah, I was going like 87 or something like that." And sure enough, in the, in my car that was cranking, is you can't drive 55. 
So as the cop is giving me, <laughs> I can't drive 55, and he got a kick out of it. But you know, I, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> That's but yeah, it's interesting also to hear you talk about the technology like that because, I mean, I'm sure people in the 70s it's like to hear, you know, <laughs> how you're putting this together and the modern technology would just blow their minds. Do you have to really keep up with? technology and changes to take advantage of that you know the answer is no i leave that up to the engineer um i'm like i'm aware of it but i'm not a tech head you know so i i know enough where it could be applicable to what i'm trying to do in the studio but i'm not that guy you know i need to know every little you know 75 different reverbs and you know 30 different eqs I know what works. I know what sound I'm looking for. Um, and then this engineer and I are, you know, my chief engineer, Charles, and I are very um, telepathic in our communication. So if I say something or he sees I'm reacting a certain way or vice versa, he knows what I want. You know, if I'm like, ooh, I, I, mm, you know, this thing is, it's not giving me this. He goes, hold on a second. And he does something i'm like oh i like that but it still needs something like this he goes okay so and then i'll ask him what are you doing on that he's like well i'm, t I'm doing this with this and this but i'm doing it in this sequence so i'm like and i just take a mental note okay but next time remember these combination of these three things will give me that tunnel yeah that it is interesting because there's so much to music beyond just picking up a guitar strapping it on and plugging it into an amplifier Right, right. There's definitely a lot to it, that's for sure. Um, yeah, no, there's just a lot to it. I, I think people just think it's, uh, um, you know, you, you can go in and play for three or four hours and you have a record and it's all fun. And, um, you know, it, it's the furthest thing from it. Um, it's only fun for me, like, when it's, like, I like being creative, but once it's done, then it's, I'm like cool i created something from nothing to to this and i get that satisfaction from that and um that, that's the cool part of what i did so then when it comes to you're working with the uh, fret bar records now for this for this album yeah like, so and bar, yeah they're, they're our main distributor right now and um you know part of our um our team you know um you know so we just like I said, we put a really strong um again you know getting more um business oriented but we, we just put a really strong infrastructure and you know and the, and the people at fret bar is exactly what we need at this point you know they they're well connected um and they're just as hungry as we are um extremely knowledgeable and um so that's the cool thing for us they're not that big where you're like number 20 on the roster or 50 on the roster, um, you know, but they're still as connected as a large label. So they can get us, you know, and like I said, this extremely knowledge on different aspects and what works out quite well for us is, you know, I'm a business guy as well, you know, uh, prior to this incarnation of, of doing the music. So from a business standpoint, you know, we can have, um, 
you know, we can have a good strategy means of where we want to go and where we want to take this. And it's just not haphazard. Like, okay, let's just let's just go play for a plane. Let's just put out a single for because you need to put a single out. There, there's a reason why we're doing things and how we're doing our PR and how we're releasing a single. And, um, you know, and like I said, when we have an entire team and, you know, obviously, you know, like Jody's part of the team and, um, you know, Tim's, you know, Biner's another guy part of the team. And, um, of course, the, the team at Fret Bar, you know, and they're growing as far as um, bringing on additional, you know, power PR people and, um, you know, and several of the booking folks that we have involved with us. Um, you know, I have that philosophy of we took all this time invested, you know, your time, your it's not just time and money, but your passion, your your heart and soul to create your music. So, it, it, you know, and I felt and I feel like that our music is killer. It's something different. It's, you know, I'm biased and I feel, yeah, this is, this is killer stuff. But I think you need to put a stronger team than what you have in your music if you want to try to make it in music. And, you know, it took me a little bit of time to realize that, but that's what we've been able to accomplish. So good music, good team, and hopefully it works the, the way we think it's going to work out. Well, I mean, music so be the first thing. You, you got that part down. Don't worry. I can't wait to, after listening to you talk about it, I just can't wait to hear that next batch of music from you. Like it's it's going to be so much fun to listen to. Yeah, I think some people will be surprised by it. Um, in fact, except for "Stain of My Soul," that's the only one where I do the bass as well as the guitar in that mm. song. Um, which again was was an accident because usually you know I'll I'll cut bass and I'll have the assistant engineer. Um, his name's Colin, and um, and he actually he's the our assistant actually. Um, won a couple of Grammys for like, the Rival Sons records for being the assistant engineer and that. So, um, but usually uh, he'll come in and, or many times he's on a session with me, and then I'll do I'll lay down a scratch bass and then he'll follow the bass and do uh, and I call it play like a real bass player because so I play bass like a guitar player, you know. <laughs> real, real bass players um, do not hesitate to point that out that I'm not really a bass player because. That's just how they are. Uh, but on this particular one, he goes, "No, my I, I, your bass is locking. Like I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change it." And what I did again from a tech standpoint is that main riff. And what I did is I have it what they call pan fully to the right. And if you listen to like you know you can pan left to right in your car or in the headphones. If you go pan left. It's this guitar doing da, 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 and that and the bass are just locked in, you know, that's the pulse of that song. And then you add that riff on top, but they're so separated out. And that's that's part of the magic of why it sounds big. But that's why the bass worked, because the bass was following what I'm playing, because that's me on bass, that's me on guitar. But the bass player on that this recent batch is um Perry from uh, Striper. Mm, wow. So that made a nice combination. You know, drummer from Pink, Perry from Striper, Tony, Lanisha, and myself. And, um, you know, Perry, Perry was great working with, uh, you know, I record that up in, um, in Myrtle Beach, you know, by his house. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, and same thing. He, you know, 
he's another guy that brought um, a lot of passion and um what I also liked about him, he was really hard on himself as well. You know, when he felt he he was not doing justice to the song, um, I could see it on on his face. He was not happy with himself, and um, so yeah, again, that's that's been the consistency with everybody, you know. So, but yeah, but yeah, you'll hear it soon. We just have to decide um, what will be the next song. So, because it's so quite different, one is very like early. You can hear it on the, on the Aerosmith, like Aerosmith, one of the first two Aerosmith records. Like when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, that's Aerosmith. Um, but again, but with a modern twist. And then the next one of the other songs is you'll get like, if you took Pink Floyd meets Stone Temple Pilots, like <laughs> where did that come from? You know, I don't know. I mean, that was another, Tony and I wrote that in a hotel while we were doing a gig in Nashville. We had this downtime. You know, I put the 12th string and I just was telling him again, theoretically about, um, um, you know, major and minor keys and, and stuff and how people write typically when they're bringing a minor, typically I say, you know, when they're doing a minor, for instance, they're using, a, you know, uh, something from the minor scale or something that's a relative minor. And in this case, you're keeping the root the same. You're just changing a major to minor. So say if it's a D, you're doing D minor to D major, D minor, like, and that's kind of like technically not right. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's 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 just technically not right, but yet that's something that's a trick that Mozart did and Beethoven did. And I had read this, um, not read, but I saw this great video that they call it the greatest pop change in history. And the guy broke down does that theory. I'm like, so I was just telling Tony the story. I go, yeah, so, you know, they're keeping in the same uh, key, but they're just going in between major and minor in the same key, but not relative minors. And he just started singing. Somebody was recording it. And that turned into that that song. Wow. That's crazy. That's great. Well, you know, you thank Tony for us for uh, not showing up because it gave us more you. And this was this was good stuff. We quickly filled our time with you. This flew by. I mean, he just would have gotten in the way, you know. Uh, well, he's more you is a good thing. You know, he's only a lead singer. I mean, you know, who wants to talk to a lead singer, the front man? You know, I don't, I don't know. Singers, I mean, come on. They, they don't they don't need their egos fed anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, lead singer disease is already a thing. We don't want to push that out there. Well, no, but Tony texted me, by the way. It looks like he had some family emergency. Something came up, so I have to call him. Um, I you know, hope for, everything's okay then. Yeah, for Tony not to be able to do it and send me a message like, I'm in an emergency right now, um, something came up. So I have to go and see what's yeah. going on. Well, hopefully, yeah. Uh, like, wish him our best then. Absolutely. Yeah, wish him our best. But uh, before you do go, tell everybody where they can keep up with the band and the the you know the latest music and everything you have going on yeah there's um the in theory original.com the website i mean it has everything the tour dates it has a section for epk you can actually listen to uh we, we put a player on it you know a soundcloud player um there's three songs you can download if you want off of that the rest of the songs you can just listen to but there's um there's at least nine songs that will give you a really great overview of in theory. And there's, of course, there's pictures, there's a little bit more of the history of the band that 
people may not know and um yeah like everything is there and of course you know we have our facebook and instagram but if you want to really get into the nooks and cranny of in theory go to in theory original.com and you can also buy the cd there and shirts and support the band and you know all that wonderful stuff awesome well mike i know we appreciate talking to you it's always a good time and uh love your music so we wish you nothing but the best in the future and uh, can't wait to hear more and i appreciate it you know and thanks for all the kind words and um i love the way you guys were able to to pick things out and uh articulate it it's it's very cool um you know a, you know I, you know um I was going to say, I was going to say this without saying it. There's a lot of times we do interviews and many times people have not even listened to the song um, or they don't really listen. They have their, you know, um, but I can tell you, you know, you guys did your homework and, um, you know, and, and you're, you're picking up on things that were in our messaging that, uh, we, you know, we're trying to get out. So I appreciate that you guys are picking up on that. So, you know, I, all I can say is I appreciate you guys. It's, it's cool. No, it's true. We're the best. I'll admit it. <laughs> Even Brett or only you? <laughs> well, I, I am the king of the casters, so I don't know what that <laughs> But yes, Mike, uh, you guys are awesome, and you make our job easy. So that's the, uh, that's the key. But uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right. Bye for now. Sorry. All right. Have a good one. You too.